For the month of May, good brethren, I would like for us to talk about worship. Uh, There's a lot we can talk about relating to worship. And oftentimes, when we discuss improving uh, or, or learning or growing in our worship, we tend to drift towards the mechanics of worship. How we sing, how we pray, how we lead. Hey, and all those are good. Those are really important. But I want for us, for the month of May, in the 9 o'clock hour, which, Lord willing, I'll be, I'll be speaking at, I want to talk about how the Psalms portray God in worship and allow that magnificent view to help us have a greater appreciation of God and how we can express that appreciation through worship. And so today we're looking at Psalm 96 and asking the question, what is the the purpose of worship? We're starting in Psalm 96, beginning in verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar in all it contains. Let the field exult in all that's in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. Before the Lord, for he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. It's a beautiful psalm. But it begs the question, and in fact, really anytime we talk about worship, not just this psalm, but really anytime we talk about worship, I believe there's a question that comes to our mind I want you to think about today. Why do we worship? ever thought about that? Why, why do we worship God? I mean, we know that God wants us to, right? We have a passage like John 4 and verse 23 where Jesus said that the hour is coming and, and now here is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And so it's obvious God wants us to worship him. But we also know from passages like Acts 17, when Paul is given that sermon on, on Mars Hill, where he says that God is, is neither is he served by human hands, and so he needed anything, since he himself gives to all life and breath and all things. And so it's not like we're giving God something he doesn't have. It's not like we're supplying something he is in need of. Why, why worship God? Why does God want us to worship him? I think it's a fair question. And the answer of it is found right in the heart of our psalm. This really neat phrase found in Psalm 96 and verse 7 and verse 8. Listen to it again. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. That's the reason why. There is something that we 
Oh, the Lord, which we must give to him. I want to go on a tangent. We're going to come right back to this question. Why do we worship God? But I need you to go on a tangent with me because we need to define something that we have a hard time defining. How would you define the word glory? Like, when was the last time you used that word glory? We don't use that. Go Chick-fil-A, those nuggets were glorious today. We don't really do that. I had a glorious cup of coffee. We don't use that word very often. There's some words in the Bible it's hard for us to define. Holiness is one of those. We use words like set apart, but that's not really all that holiness is. And glory is one of those words. It's hard for us to put tangible ideas behind what that word really means. But I want to try and, and do that for us today because I believe if we can catch glory and get what glory means and why it's important. It's obvious the psalmist says we owe God glory to his name. And if we can understand what glory is and what it means even a little bit, we'll understand the purpose of why it is worship exists and why we must worship the Lord. So found at the root, a little Hebrew for us. I know it's early. It's 922 on a Sunday, but a little Hebrew is good for us. So Hebrew for the word glory is the word kavod, which means weight or heavy. The root of that word for glory means weight. Now, sometimes it's used literally to talk about someone who is heavy. You remember that story in Judges of Ehud? And there was, he was literally described as the fat king Eglon. All the boys love that story because they plunged the sword and got stuck in his fat and we want to act it out. Heavy, you can be heavy literally, a heavy person. But oftentimes when this word glory, and it's used all throughout our Bibles, when it's spoken about God, it's used in a metaphoric sense. And we talk about heaviness that way. How many of you who grew up in the 80s when you had something that was really serious say, whoa, that's heavy? Like four of you. Okay, well, the rest of us, when it happens, say, wow, it's really heavy. When we talk about decisions that we have to make, and they're really serious decisions, we, we say, I need to weigh out my options. When someone has something very serious on their mind, we might say, it's laying heavy or weighing heavy on them. The heavier a matter, the heavier something is, the more significant it is, the more important it is. There's more substance to it, and so we might say it, listen, it matters more. Have you heard that, how we say that? That this matters more than that. What are we saying? There's more substance to it. There's more significance to it. There's more importance to it. And so when we talk about the glory of God in terms of weight, what we are saying is there is significance to God. There is grand importance to God. And so when the psalmist would say, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, it is you are expressing to God his significance, not just in life, you are expressing God's significance, his grand importance in your life. I Think about this for a minute. If you look at glory that way, in terms of the weightiness of God, the importance of God, and how it fills something with matter. Do you remember when Solomon built the temple? Do you remember when, when he did so? And as soon as they were done and they were doing the ceremonial cutting of the ribbon and opening up the doors, do you remember what happened when it said in 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 1, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And look, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the temple of the house. Why? There was no room for them because it was filled with the glory of God. That which fills all the significance, the importance, the grandeur of God had so consumed this house, the priests could not enter into it. 
That same language is used in Isaiah. When Isaiah saw the presence of God in Isaiah chapter 6, that glorious throne scene, those cherubim are there singing and they are singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth, look, is full of his glory, of his greatness, of his significance. And then even of Jesus, while we're here today, he is called in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8, the Lord of glory. So when we talk about giving God the glory, we are a people who are expressing the significance of God. How do we do that? How do we express God's glory? In one sense, we do it by how we live, right? Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That is when we live as God called us to live and we're good people, righteous people, service kind of people. The people in the world see that and they say, that must be a great God. That must be a really good God to whom they belong because look at the way that they live. Think about the opposite of this. Do you remember in the book of Joshua when Achan stole the treasures from Jericho and he hid them under his tent? Do you remember when he's confronted by Joshua, what he says to him initially? Give glory to God. Oh, I missed it. Give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. How? How was he to give glory to God? Tell me what you have done and do not hide it from me. Be who you're called to be. Confess your sin. Turn back to the Lord. That's how you give glory is by living a life that honors the significance of God. You're honoring the name by which you're called. Do you get the idea of glory? And so all creation, I think this is one of the most well-known passages about glory, is made to do this. You ever thought about that? The sun was made to show the brilliance of God. The mountains were made to host the majesty of God through their existence. The birds, I've never heard a songbird with a, like a really ugly voice. They sing beautifully to showcase the magnitude, the sheer brilliance and beauty of God. The creation shows us the magnitude of God. It was made to glorify God. Now listen, here's where it's with us. You saw it today, maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't have your glorious cup of coffee on the way in, but the creation around us was doing that today. It was saying, I was made by someone brilliant and amazing and powerful. It's pointing to him, and Isaiah says, so are you and I. That's why we were made. We were made, created for God's glory. You ever wonder, what, what is my purpose in life? I wonder why I'm here. I just want to know why I'm here and what I'm supposed to be doing here, Isaiah chapter 46 answers that. You exist to glorify God so that whatever it is you do, wherever you go to school, wherever it is you work, your life is just to enhance and to point to the grandeur, the significance of Almighty God. That's what this is about. And so worship, when we talk about the purpose of worship, it's glorifying God. It is showing God, declaring to God, from our passage up on the screen, that which is due him, that which belongs to him. In fact, our English word for worship comes from this really old English word, which really just means worth or worthy. And so worship ought to be seen as worthship. God is worthy of praise. He is worthy of honor. He is worthy of our devotion to him. Right here in our psalm, in Psalm 96, I really think the psalmist shows us why he's worthy, why glory is due his name. It just runs right through this psalm. Why is God worthy of our attention and our affection and our devotion to him? 
There's a couple of reasons. Number one is because he's our Savior in verse 2. Proclaim the good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Now think about this, not from us, not from the cross this way, but think about this in terms of an Israelite who would sing this song on the way to worship Jehovah and the temple. God who delivers his people, delivered them from Egypt, delivered them in the land of Canaan, delivered them from giants, delivered them from their enemies. God who has saved his people time and time again. He's worthy to be praised because he has saved us again and again. He's worthy of praise because there is none like him in verse 4 through 6. In fact, it compares him to the other gods in verse 4. He's to be feared above all gods. The gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. The idols of the people of the lands were wood and stone and metals, but God is the one who breathed those into existence. The false gods that the people of the lands worship were man's inventions, but here the psalmist says you can't invent God. You can't outdo God. He stands alone and apart from, from anyone. No one is like him. He is worthy to be praised. He's worthy because he has made us a people, in verse 7 through 9, ascribe to the Lord families of the people, he brought them from nowhere, from nomads scavenging across the land, and he made them a nation, a nation with promises, a nation with a heritage, a nation with blessings, to where he would say, I'll be your God, and you'll be my people. And he walked with them, and he cared for them, and he gave them a special land. He was their God. He made them something in which they were not before. He's worthy of praise because he created the world. In fact, the language in verse 10 through 13 is he said it, he put it in its place, and it's not going to be moved. God is the one who created it, who formed the foundations, who set the, who set the establishment. God is the one who made all that there is. And then finally he says because there's a judgment that he will bring. The Lord is coming and the creation longs for it. And I don't know what the psalmist is pointing to. Maybe it's a final judgment, but it could just be the promise that when enemies come, when God's people are threatened, we can trust and rely on the fact that our God comes and he will deliver us. He's a righteous God. He's a just God, and he keeps his word. And so because of all these amazing facts, you cannot deny the fact he must be praised. He must be glorified. Look at this Lord who is worthy of praise. You're there with me, right? This is what the Israelites would think. It's what they would remember. They go through their history. They think about their lineage and they look at the Lord and see how good he had been to them and how he made them what they were. And because of all these amazing things right at the heart of this psalm, there is something due to him that belongs to him because of what he has done. Now this takes us to where we are today. This side, this side of the cross, 2022, May the 1st, 2022. We're going to Revelation chapter 4. Because the five reasons given in Psalm 96 for the Lord to receive glory and honor and praise are echoed in Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5. The same reasons. That's just this side of the cross, this side of the empty tomb. There are reasons today, are reasons of why we have assembled and praised to the Lord. Psalm 96 began by saying, sing to the Lord a new song. Look at Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, and they sang what now? A new song. Why is the Lord worthy to be praised? Why is God worthy to be praised? Why are we here today? Why must we today? We, not Israelites then, why must we 
praise the Lord today? Well, because he is our Savior. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. They sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book, to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. He has saved us, and he's not saved us from bombs or bullets. He's not saved us from a broken economy. He's not saved us from political corruption. He has saved us from the greatest need that has ever existed, and that is our sin. He has saved us from doom. He has saved us through his blood. He is our Savior. And so we here today, we sing, and as we sang when we all get to heaven, we sing as forgiven people. We sing as the redeemed. We sing as the people who have been rescued and ransomed by Jesus. We have been saved by him. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy because there is none like him. In chapter 4 and verse 8, the living creatures which surround the throne, all seeing this, they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Holy, holy, holy. I think those words oftentimes fall in our deaf ears, but think about that for a moment. Who is like the Lord in your life? And really, who listens to you like the Lord listens to you? Who loves you like the Lord loves you? Who can you trust on? like you can trust on the Lord or depend on, like you depend on the Lord. Who is there for you as the Lord is there for you? There, there is no one like him, and there is no one like him in your life. He is indeed holy, set apart from all else. We worship him because he has made us a people in chapter 5 and verse 10. He has made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. I love this point because last evening there was 115 young people at this, at this high school banquet, and they came from everywhere. Over 26 congregations were represented over three different states. A lot of them are right here. Here's the thing. Have you thought about this today? And Some of you are here. I'm going to kind of do this. Have you thought about this today? Because I thought about this all the way home last night. You guys have something so precious. A lot of us didn't have this growing up. A lot of young people to be together with and share our faith. If it were not for Jesus, you would not be here. And you wouldn't know one another. You wouldn't care for one another. If it were not for Jesus, brethren, we wouldn't have these relationships with each other. The only reason we're together is not because we like the same restaurants. We don't. It's not because we vote the same. We don't. It's not because we have a lot of things in common, because to be honest, most of us don't have a lot of things in common, but we have one grand thing in common, and that is the Lord who has made us one. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe, that's the reason we're here. We need to celebrate that, good brethren. We are here because of Jesus. And this relationship we have to where I love you enough to give my life for you is because of Jesus. He has made us something we were not before. We are a people, we are a nation, we are a priest, we are a kingdom. And because of that, I'll tell you this, my life is enriched entirely because of you, because of the church. And for that reason, he is worthy to be praised. Blessed be his name who has made us a people. And not just us. Because this day when it began for some people a long time ago, while we were deep in sleep across the world, there were saints already rising and blessing the name of the Lord. He's not just made Campbell Road to people. He has made today every saint across this world and every country who is lifting up in the same song, in the same words. He has made us a people. 
And for that, he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised because he created the world. In chapter 4 and verse 11, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory. There it is. Glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. And I think a lot of times we look at that and we do this. He created the moon and the stars and the cosmos and the solar systems. He made the world and the, and the mountains and the planets. But have you ever just kind of done this? Everything in your life and everything about you existed because God made it so. You, in your life, and your body, and your talents, and your hair, or the lack thereof, and your beauty and your strength is there because God made it. Every person in your life who enriches you and blesses you, your spouse and your kids and your family and your parents is there because God created it so. Everything that you enjoy, your house and your car and your jobs and your hobbies are there. Everything in your life that you see and exist is there because he made it so. He willed it so. I praise him because all that there is and all that makes this life so special and brilliant is because he made it. He put it there and I will praise him forever for that. He has given me and blessed me far beyond what I deserve. And he is worthy. The psalmist was pointing forward to a judgment. And yet we today, though we look forward to the judgment day and anticipate the day of Christ's return, we glory and we will in about an hour. We glory and we praise and we come with thanksgiving because of the judgment not to come, but the judgment that did come. In chapter 5 and verse 9, worthy are you to take the book, to break its seals for you were slain. You purchased for God with your blood men from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. We come today to celebrate the judgment that happened. The judgment that took place on the Son of God, on Calvary, on the cross, that the sins for us were met, were satisfied in his death. And so he is worthy forever, worthy to be praised. He is deserving of all honor and glory because of the victory, because of the judgment, because of the salvation he secured through his blood on Calvary. Can, can, you, can you taste this for a minute then? One, one verse right here in Revelation 5 and verse 12. This is the essence, the purpose, the, the heart of worship. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. To receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Because of who he is, because of what he has done, I can't help but bring the most beautiful words that I know and express them in the most beautiful way that I can through song and through prayer simply because the Lamb is worthy. Can you get there with me today? Can you get there? That we're not here because we're contractually obligated to be here. We're not here because we want to avoid an angry Jesus. Three people got that. You, you, if you were there last night, you would have gotten that one. We're not here because we don't want to be punished. We're not here because the elders are going to be down there next. In fact, let's just get outside of here. I wish so, much so, so, more, so many more of us could get this. It's not about being here on a Sunday and filling in the pew and, 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 and being present at 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. every time the doors are open. Worship is a soul that has seen the Lord. 
that has seen him for who he is and can't help but respond this way. Because of who you are and what you've done, it has nothing to do with obligations. It has nothing to do with attendance. It has nothing to do with man's expectations, but everything to do, everything to do with who he is and what he has done. There's this ancient prayer that says, My God, I love you, not because I hope for heaven thereby, nor yet because who love you are not lost eternally. Not with the hope of gaining anything nor seeking a reward, but as you have loved me, O ever-loving Lord, even so I love you and will love, and in your praise will sing solely because you are my God and my eternal king. That's all that it is. I'm not trying to get something out of here. I'm not trying to earn God's favor. It's just I love him, and I'm in awe of him, and I just can't help This is my response to a God I have seen because I have felt the weight of God. I've tasted the glory of God, and I just can't help. It's what he is due. Now, I've got just two, I'm not going to give you a promise here, a few minutes, I was going to say two minutes, two-ish minutes, I want you to end right here. The psalmist in two times, two different places says that it's good for us to be here. It's good to praise the Lord. It's good to sing praises to the Lord in Psalm 147 and verse 1. It's good to give thanks and to sing praises to the Lord. That's where I want to end this morning. And I hope this will bless us the rest of this morning as we continue in this day of praise and glory to God. Why why is it good for us to worship God? And I think right here, right here in Psalm 96, it tells us why. Number one is that worship directs our attention. Verse 4, it's all about the Lord. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. He's to be feared among all the gods. It just puts our attention back where it belongs. If you've seen it, maybe you saw it today on the way, on the road. Have you ever seen someone and they're doing this in the car? And you drive up next to them. Do you know why they're doing that? Sometimes they're doing this. Sometimes they're doing, like Sunday, they're doing this and doing this, right? Their, their attention is on other things but driving. And a lot of us are driving through life and we're too focused on ourselves and our goals and our careers and our money and our beauty. We're too focused on the world and everything going on in the world, everything wrapped up with things that really just don't matter at all eternally. And then we come to see the Lord and worship. And immediately the attention that has been here and a life that has been drifting away from heaven is centered back to where it belongs. And we see the Lord And we're reminded of what will always matter the most. Worship directs our attention where it belongs, and it's on him. It's good for us to worship because worship draws us nearer in verse 8. It talks about those who are to bring an offering and come into his courts. Now listen, it's really hard to drift from the Lord. It's hard to run away from God when you are drawing nearer to worship him. You see the difference in language? It's one thing to be running from God, I want nothing to do with you, or to be drifting from God, I'm just kind of indifferent about you, versus those who say, I am coming to you, bringing my offering, my life, my service to you. There's a Michelangelo, when he was crafting all those, uh, I'm sorry, Da Vinci, Leonardo Da Vinci, when he was crafting those flying machines, he said this once. He says, once you have tasted flight, You will walk the earth with your eyes turned skyward, for there you have been, and there you will long to return. He never flew southwest, but he has the idea in mind. If you've tasted flight, those who are only used to walking, you'll never want to walk again. Your eyes will be upward, and you'll long to fly. And once you've tasted true worship, 
True worship. Genuine worship. And you've seen him. You've seen the lamb. You can't help but be drawn back. Not to a Sunday at 9 a.m., but on a Tuesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday, of a life where a mind and a heart just looks upward and wants to be closer and closer to him. That's what worship does. It draws us to God. I just want to be ever closer, ever nearer to you. And worship declares our faith. It says to let the nations say among the nations that the Lord reigns. And that's what you're doing here today. The fact that you are here today, you're telling everyone in Garland who has seen you drive to this building that you're here because you believe. You believe and you love the Lord. And even today, you may not have recognized it yet here this morning, but every song that you have sung, you are singing to the Lord and you're telling the Lord and expressing to the Lord that you believe, but you are expressing to everyone here this morning, every single one here, I believe in this. I believe in the Lord and I believe in heaven and I believe in Jesus and I am expressing to you as you are to me that this is true and it is real and it's important, it matters. And so we are expressing and declaring and strengthening our faith as we together are worshiping the Lord. Here's a quote I saw at the end of this week that said, I need, I need to worship because without it, I can forget that I have a big God right beside me and I live in fear I need to worship because without it, I can forget his calling and begin to live in the spirit of preoccupation. I need to worship because without it, I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude and plod through life with, bl- with blinders on. I need to worship because my natural tendency is towards self-reliance and stubborn independence. I would wonder if before you came in those doors, if our shepherds stood at those doors and we had a long line, and before you came in, they were to ask you the question, Why do you need to worship today? Why do you need to be here and worship the Lord? What would you say? Now you can worship. Why must you worship today? Can you answer that for yourself? I need to. I need to worship the Lord. Because I've been rescued from death. And I've been raised to life. Because I've seen him, the Lamb of God, who has come to take away the sin of the world, and he must be praised. And I cannot help, with every ounce that I can, with the best that my body and my voice can this day, I must offer worship to the King, because the Lamb is worthy of power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory. And blessing. He is worthy, brethren, to be praised. And so this day, the rest of our day, the rest of our morning, we're here because we need to be here. And we're here because he is worthy. These thoughts can lead us to a wonderful and a beautiful morning of praise to the Lord. You've listened so, so well. Thank you so very much. We're going to Exit from here to go to our Bible classes in just one moment. If you don't know where those classes are or need some help, talk to any of our members, especially any who are standing in the back, and we'd love to help direct you and your family to where our classes will be taking place in this next hour. We're going to have a word of prayer and a verse of a song, and we'll be dismissed. Let's be standing and have that prayer, please. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. 
We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can, but thank you for connecting with us.